0: I want to build an argument for what in all of Scripture we see to be the mission of God and then to spend the last part of our time together making application for us as individuals in 2020 at Poplar Spring Baptist Church. So, the mission of God. You ready? Genesis 1, we see it from the beginning. And the mission hasn't changed from the beginning, right? In the beginning, we see in Genesis 1, God's creating all of these things. They're the let there bees, right? The let there be light, let there be land, And then you get to chapter 1, verse 26, and it says, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth, over all the creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Don't miss this next statement. This is huge. And God blessed them he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the living things that move. God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is all over the face of the earth, every tree with its seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food, every beast of the earth, every bird of the heavens, everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I've given every green plant for food. I don't love that verse. And so it was. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was morning, and there was evening, the sixth day. So from this text, here they are. I'm going to give them to you from the beginning. Two reasons we exist. Number one, to enjoy God's grace in relationship with him. Right? Notice the difference. And I know this is not new for some of you. It's not just let there be anymore. When he gets to man in verse 26, it's let us make. There's an in, and There's an intimacy there. There's an intentionality where God says, different from all of creation, let us make. There's this intentionality, there's this intimacy because we are to enjoy his glory, enjoy his grace. He says it was really, really good. And then verse 28, it says he blesses them. He blesses them. One of the things about this trip that I just went on for you that don't know, I just returned from Israel and one of the things about this trip, going to these places, seeing these sites were incredible. But one of the things I enjoyed most was I got to spend time with my dad and my mom. And for, 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 for 10 days, I got their undivided attention. I didn't even have my sisters to compete with me, right? It was me and mom and dad from sunup to sundown. Talking about all these places we were going, sharing the scriptures together, just relishing in how good it is to, to be in the word and see these places come to life for us. We were made to enjoy our Heavenly Father. Even more so than our earthly parents, we were made to enjoy the intimacy that exists between a father and his children. So this morning, if you belong to God, if you're a child of God, you have his full attention. Know that this morning. When you call on his name, he is focused on you. You have his full attention. So that's number one. We're, We're created, we exist to enjoy relationship with him. Here's the second one, though. It's in verse 28. We're we're created to extend His glory to the whole world. You say, well, how do you see that? Look at it in the text. Fill the earth, right? Fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, scatter, and as you scatter, as you spread, spread His glory. As you go to every part of this world, take with you the glory of God. Spread His glory. So get that image in your head from the beginning. We were meant to scatter and spread the glory of God. That was the plan. Not a backup plan. Right? I think so often we think, well, the fall happened, right? Adam and Eve sinned, and then there's this backup plan. It wasn't the backup plan. It wasn't, it wasn't what God decided to do when things were messed up, that from the beginning, before there was ever sin, his plan, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, extend my glory to every part of creation. And those are the reasons we exist. When you break up those reasons, right, enjoy the glory of God, spread the glory of God, When you break those reasons that we exist into actions, it's actually three, right? You see them in the text that we just read from Genesis 1. God blesses, action number one, people spread, action number two, number three, extend his glory. So God blesses, people spread, scatter, and people spread the glory of God. It didn't take us long to mess that up. If you track with me, Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. They said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower with its top in the heavens. And here, don't miss this. You'll see a direct contradiction here. And let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over all the face of the earth. Do you see that? It's a direct contradiction to Genesis chapter 1 and what God commanded of his people to be doing. Not scattering, not spreading the glory of God, but our glory. Let's make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered. Let's make a name for ourselves, our glory, so that we don't actually do what God told us we must do. Verses 5-9. through The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, there are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they'll do. And nothing they do, or nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and, and down in there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. Listen to this, verse 8. So the Lord dispersed them from there all over the face of the earth, and they left off their building of the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the earth and from there, the Lord dispersed them from all over the face of the earth. God did the scattering. When people said, hey, we're going to sit and not scatter, we're going to sit and dwell on our glory, not his, God said, okay, I'll scatter you. I'll send you. But now you have people speaking different languages all over the earth that are, enjoy- that are not enjoying his grace, and they're not expending or spreading his glory. So what does God do? He calls to himself a people. He calls to himself a people, a particular people. He sets his love on a particular people that will spread his grace and glory all over the earth. And it happens in the very next chapter. That's the thing that's amazing about this. It doesn't take another two or three books of the Bible for this plan to... No, it's been the plan from the beginning. And as soon as man set his heart on not doing it, God says, it's going to happen. Genesis chapter 12, the very next chapter, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I'll show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. There's that language again. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will and in him who dishonors you I'll curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you see the pattern again, right? I'm going to bless you. Why? Because you're going to make my glory known to them. Who? All peoples of the earth. All the families of the earth. Bless blessed through you. So go from your country, Abraham. Go from, from this place. Scatter from the land of your father. I'm gonna bless you. Make your name great. You're gonna receive this blessing so that you extend my glory to all the families of the earth. You continue. I'm gonna point these out to you quick. Genesis 26, verse 24. It happens with Isaac. I'll multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven. I'll give your offspring all these lands. Your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through you. That's what he says to, to Isaac. You see that promise again and that pattern again. Blessing, scattering, glory spreading. Genesis 28, it happens with Jacob. The same thing. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the east, to the west, to the north, to the south, meaning everywhere. And in you, you and your offspring and all the families of the earth will be blessed. Again, that pattern we see. again. That's a pretty stout promise for a single guy, right? Like, I know you're not married yet, but your offspring, no you're not married yet. Your offspring is going to be like the dust of the earth. That's how many you're going to have. Why? Because I'm going to bless you so that you spread to the ends of the earth, the north, south, east, west, bringing my glory to every place. Well, you continue, and what you find is that the people of Israel, because of disobedience, because of sin, they're in a place of suffering. They're in a fix. They're in Egypt. They're serving as, as slaves to the Egyptians. And what does God do? Right? He leads them out. Right? He sends Moses, and he leads them out of Egyptian slavery. You get to Exodus, chapter 14, verse 4. Listen to what God says. He says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, as the, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So that pattern's there. The Lord blesses, I'm going to rescue you from Egyptian slavery. His glory is extended, literally in the same verse. Egypt, pagan Egypt that worships all these other gods, they're going to know that I'm the Lord. He's going spread my glory, yes, even through their death. Even through their death, God's glorified here. Joshua 5 and 6. I'm not going to read this one. I'm just going to summarize. You remember the text. As the Israelites move into the land that God had promised, they come up to Jericho, right? These massive walls in Jericho. How are we going to get to this city? How are we going to get into the land that God's been promising? They had options, right? We can go over the wall. Maybe we can get our guys to come in with shovels and dig under the wall. Maybe a big battering ram and go through the wall. Maybe the Trojan horse idea, right? Sneak some guys through. None of, those, none of those were what God told them to do. What does God tell them to do? He says, get your trumpets out, right? Begin, begin to march around this, the, the, the walls. Shout. Blow your trumpets. Why, why in the world would that be the way God would want to d- d- destroy this city and give them entrance into the land? But so only he gets the glory. You don't see anyone that day compliment, hey, man, that trumpet playing was fantastic. That C note you hit when the wall... Excellent job. You don't see any of that. Why? Because they knew. They were on their faces before God thanking him. They knew it was him. They knew he was the one that did it. God blesses, right? This is the pattern. So The people spread and scatter and take his glory to the ends of the earth. 1 Kings chapter 10. We're moving on through the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 10. We know Solomon, right? Wisest guy to ever live. Why was he? Why was he wise? Was it because he worked hard or... No, the Lord blessed him? Why would the Lord do that? Why of all the things the Lord could bless him with, would wisdom be the one that he gave him? Well in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 9, Queen of Sheba comes and she she Queen Sheba comes and sees him. She sees his wisdom, she experiences the wisdom and knows that it's a gift of God, knows that it's God who's given him this. And she says, His God is worthy of all worship and praise. A pagan queen coming and acknowledging something like this. So again, God blesses wisdom. So this glory spreads to the end of the earth. Daniel chapter 3, right? Daniel chapter 3, one of these stories that we we love and cherish, even as a a small child. Daniel chapter 3, verse 29. uh, The the king, the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar says, Therefore I had to make a decree. Any nation, any people, any language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and their houses laid to ruin. For there is no God who is able to rescue in this way. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. We met three Hebrew boys, right? They wouldn't, they wouldn't bow down, worship, and pray to the king. So he throws them in a furnace, a fiery furnace. But instead of being consumed by the furnace, God miraculously saves them from it. Why would he do that? He's blessing. So His glory is extending. And even a pagan king like Nebuchadnezzar would say, there's no God like these guys' God. We see the pattern over and over and over again. It's not just in the narratives of the Old Testament, though. You get to the wisdom literature, the Psalms, right? Psalm 23. Most of us in here know that Psalm. Maybe could even quote it. Listen to what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Wait for it. Here it is. For for his name's sake. For his name's sake. He leads us, right? Even our, even our leading, even him leading us, even the things, the, the things that he gives us on a daily basis that provides for us, meets our physical needs. Even, even the, the fact that our souls are restored, Psalm 23 says. Our minds are renewed, Psalm says. All of that, the, the paths of righteousness that we walk in, for his name's sake. It's for his name's sake that he's done that. Isaiah 48, the prophets. There's, there's uh, this continuation in the prophets. Isaiah 48, verse 9. Isaiah says this, he's he's speaking on behalf of God here. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it from you. that 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 I may not cut you off. Behold, I've refined you. Not as silver, I've tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, he says it twice. For my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Did you catch that? That that even in your own salvation, you're not the center of your salvation. God is. He says, for my name's sake, I've stayed my wrath. For my name's sake, I've not taken out my wrath upon you. It's for his name's sake, his glory. The salvation that we possess is, is for his glory. Ezekiel chapter 36 says this, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you profaned among the nations to which you came. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. So Israel, even in the suffering you're about to endure, as I judge you, even in the conquering and the the affliction, the exile that you're about to go through, the purpose in it is that the nations would see my glory. I know that I'm a just God. They would know the holiness of my name. So whether it's his blessing in giving life, whether it's his blessing in bestowing offspring, whether it's his blessing in protecting from a fiery furnace, or whether it's his judgment of his own people, his glory is the purpose that we would spread and extend his glory. And you see what the text is teaching us that God has the whole world on his mind and heart as he pours out every blessing and judgment of the Old Testament. But it doesn't stop there. If you hop with me to the New Testament, watch this. Matthew 24, I'm going to hit these quick. Matthew 24, 14. This good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed in all the world, and then the end will come. Matthew 28, 18. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, 46. Messiah would suffer and rise and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. Romans 15, Paul says, it's my aim to minister in places where Christ has not been named. Paul's saying, my ministry, the methodology, my philosophy of ministry, all of that, preach Jesus where Jesus has not been named. So in the New Testament, we're seeing the same thing. Remember that pattern. God blesses for the scattering of his people, for the spread of his glory. And it's in the New Testament as well. We're not gonna hit all of these narratives, but think about them. Think about the miracle accounts that we have in the New Testament. Blind Bartimaeus, he's given sight not just so that a guy can see again, so that the glory of God would spread. You, you get to the, the disciples sinking on a, on a ship in the midst of a storm, and Jesus is asleep on the boat. Why in the world would that be the case? I mean, Jesus knows that he can, he can control, and he's fixing to prove himself to be able to control the wind and waves and creation itself. Why would he allow them to go through this so that his glory spreads to the ends of the earth? Lazarus, dead, and dead and in the, in the grave, and in three days, Jesus calls him out and back to life. Why would he do that? He's going to die again. He's not Jesus, so he's going to have physical death again. It's not that he called him to life for all of life. He dies again. But why would Jesus do this? Why would Jesus bring him to life? That his glory spreads to the end of the earth. Beating of the 5,000. All these miracle accounts we see in the New Testament, the end of them is not, well, Jesus did kind things. We should live like Jesus. Jesus did some really extraordinary things for his neighbors and loved on his neighbors in an incredible way. We should be like Jesus. We should be. But the point is, his glory is spreading take what you've seen take what you've experienced and spread my glory to the ends of the earth Jesus says to so himself in John 9 John 9 verse 1 says this he passed by and he saw a man blind from birth his disciples said rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he be born blind Jesus answered it's not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him you don't know why he's been blind it's so that you would see and believe And then spread the glory of God. That you're walking next to God and you saw God heal this man. What's my point? We started in Genesis 1. And the purpose of God for the whole world would see his glory, know his glory. We see that in the New Testament with the life of Jesus, the ministry of Paul, the apostles being sent for this same purpose, to extend this good news, the gospel of Jesus, his glory to the ends of the earth. Now let's go to the end. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. If you're new to church and not sure what the Bible is even about, Revelation is a picture of what it's going to look like in the end. This hasn't happened yet. This is still yet to come. The Holy Spirit gives John a picture of what those last days that are still awaiting us are going to look like. This is what it says. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation... From all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God and to the and and who sits on his throne and to the Lamb. Do you see that? Do you see what that passage is teaching us? It it will happen. What God purposed to do from the beginning is going to come to fruition. Every nation, all tribes, all peoples, all languages will be represented before the Lamb of God, before the throne of God on that final day. Every nation will be there because His glory will spread to the ends of the earth. It's not just an idea I made up or hope to find in Scripture and point you to. From cover to cover, God is blessing His people, scattering His people for the spread of His glory. That's why we have breath. It's why we have salvation. It's why he's purposed to to not pour out his wrath upon us. It's why the miracles of the Bible existed. He's spreading his glory. God is at the center of the universe, not us. God has his glory on his heart and minds before us. And so what about us? Let's make some application here. What about us and this mission that we've seen traced through Scripture, the mission of God, how does that apply to us at Poplar Spring Baptist Church in the year 2020? Church family, it's impossible to live an obedient life in Christ if you ignore his mission. If you go about your life, maybe you attend church, maybe you throw a few dollars in the plate every now and then, but that's kind of the extent you show up to Sunday school when you feel like it or when you're on time. And and that's sort of the Christian life for you. And if you have no thought of or have given no heart toward the mission of God, there's no way you're living the obedient Christian life. To be living obediently is to be living with the heart that, that Christ had. And that mission hasn't changed. From cover to cover, it hasn't changed. From Genesis to Revelation to yesterday to next month, that mission is the same. So let's ask, what does it look like for him to bless us and that should be clear to us, to scatter us, and enable us to spread his glory everywhere? If we've seen anything in this survey of Scripture this morning, it's that God is radically focused on his glory getting everywhere. The question is, are we? Are we radically focused to that end? Or is it possible that we're more back at the Tower of Babel, right? Maybe not literally constructing a tower to go into the heavens, but living lives, erecting lives for ourselves that are more about us than they are about God. Afraid to scatter, whatever scattering may look like. Instead, just living in a little bubble here few people that we talk to every week, the few people that we interact with every week, we're we're, we're content, right, erecting lives right here that are not focused on this mission. We've mistaken his blessing, right, for hard work. Well, I've earned this, so I can spend it, right? In the way of application, I want to give us three errors that we have to fight against, three errors that we're tempted toward, and then three next steps, right? So that's how we're going to break up some application this morning. So here are the three errors that we may face. I'm going to hit these quick. Each of them are things that we say, or if we're not brave enough to say them, we're at least thinking them possibly. We have to push back against these. We have to fight against this temptation. The first one is this. I don't go, I don't scatter, and I'm not, I'm not defining that yet for you intentionally. I don't go, I don't scatter, I don't spread the glory of God because I'm, I'm not called the missions. I've heard that so many times, and, and, and even people that wouldn't say it might often think it, as if we need some sort of additional calling, Right? As if we look at Scripture and go, well, I see it, Genesis and Revelation, but I'm still waiting on that special, God call me to that, right? Listen, we don't get to delegate between the privileges and the obligations of being a Christ follower. When we see them in Scripture, they are for us, right? And so, so you're not just called to it, you're created for it. It's the reason you have life and breath, right? And there's no special calling that, well, you're going to be called out and, and No, we are sent, When you repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, that moment was when you said yes to the call of the mission of God, right? Galatians 1, 15 and 16. This is what Paul says in Galatians 1. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that, don't don't miss those three words, in order that I might preach among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately consult with anyone, Paul says. But Paul's, Paul's basing that, hinging that salvation, that salvation that he received when the, the, the God revealed his son to him in order that he might pass it on to someone else. right? So the gospel comes to you because it's headed to someone else. You're that connecting point. It came to you, and you're sending it to someone else. That is the mission that he's given us. You don't have to wait for a special calling for that. Here's the second error we've got to fight against I don't go, I don't scatter. Spread the glory of God because God has called me to give. Most people, when they say that, mean financially, right? He's called me to give. I don't, I, don't, I don't go and I don't actively share. I don't spread the glory of God because he's called me to give. And that's probably, if we want to be honest, more of a smokescreen, right? Like when we say that, are we really exhausting ourselves, our resources financially for the sake of the gospel? Like are any of us in this room hurting, might miss a meal this week because we gave financially so that the gospel gets to somebody that's never heard it. Maybe that's the case, but I would bet it's probably not. Some have said with the the money that it takes for us to send a team to fly around the world to do one of these trips, to share the gospel, to take the gospel to some, some people around the world, with that money that it takes for us to do that, man, think of the things that we could do. What if we just packaged up that cash and sent them an envelope of cash from all those plane tickets? I mean, that seems like that. And here's the thing. I'm not knocking the question. I think we need to ask tough questions about how we steward God's Money and the money that he's given us. I think we need to ask hard questions about how we spend the resources here at Poplar Spring. And so it's not the question. I think the question comes from a good place, probably a heart that wants to do well with the the, the blessings of God financially. But here's the thing: somewhere inside that question is a problem in our thinking. Like, are we are we so arrogant as to think that we can sit back and throw our money at the greatest problem in the entire world? That there are thousands upon thousands that are dying. 150,000 people every day that die. Most of whom do not have a relationship with Christ. We'll just give money to it. 6,300 people. 6,316 if you want to be exact. Die every hour. So since we started this worship gathering. 6,300 people have died. Most of them not followers of Christ. 105 people every minute. So in the time that it takes you to put your socks on and tie your shoes in the morning, 100 people will have slipped into eternity. Yes, we must give. But we also go. And I'm not defining that for you yet. I know you're thinking when I say go, I'm talking Uganda or Malaysia. I'm not talking that yet. You must go. We must be about the mission of God. We must scatter. Third one, third error we must fight against. I don't go I don't scatter, I don't spread the glory of God because I have a heart for right here where I'm at. I'm going to meddle a little bit on this one because I've heard this even among us. I don't want to minimize this truth. Here's the thing. No doubt God calls most of us to minister, to spread his glory, to be about the mission of God right here where we're at, right? Scattering for most of us in this room looks more like office mates or coworkers or ball teams than it does, uh, you know, airports and, and, and foreign languages, Right? I get that. But how often do we say I have a heart for right here? And we're not spreading God's glory right here. <laughs> the last time we shared our faith with someone, the last one, last time we told somebody gave somebody a testimony of here's what God's done in my life this week. Here's how He's He's met needs. Here's how He's healed me, here's how He's He's freed me of, of cancer or disease or sickness. And so so when people say that I so often hear it with pride, like, Well I have a heart for right right here. Kind of with the chest poked out, like this is a prideful thing. Like God's given me a heart for For right here. And that's why I'm not thinking about or caring for or praying for or going over there. And here's the thing. We need to understand what we're saying when we claim something like that. Like when we we say that proudly, like God's given me a heart for here. Are we really, really proud to claim that we have less than 1% of God's heart? Because you realize that's what you're saying, right? I I just took us through the the narrative of Scripture. And what we're saying is that God has a heart for the nations. How many times do we hear that this morning? From cover to cover, in your Bible, God's heart is for the peoples of the earth, the nations of this earth. And to say that we only have a heart for North Carolina or Franklin County or Bunn or whatever, what we're really saying, and often with pride, is that I have less than 1% of God's heart. And I'm okay with that. Like, Let us not get there, church. Let us not get to that place. We need to remember, here's the thing. As we live day to day, every day, whether we step on foreign soil or not, God has blessed us financially, materially, with a free nation, most importantly with the gospel that it came to us. He's blessed us. We've been recipients of that good news. And he's scattered us. So the places we go, whether it's Food Lion or to school or to work or to Uganda, Wherever we go, he scattered us. That's the reason we don't sleep here tonight. That's the reason we don't all work here. That's the reason we don't come here seven days out of the week. He scattered us to spread his glory, to extend the good news of what he's done on our behalf, that he took the wrath we deserve, that he bore our punishment for us. So let me give you three next steps as we close. I'm going to hit these quick. All of them are things you need to ask, right? So first, ask God to give you a heart for spreading his glory. If you've been listening this morning, and even as we walk through all of these texts, you're saying, well, my heart's just not drawn there yet. I'm not there yet. I don't have this conviction. I don't have this passion for for spreading God's glory that you've been talking about through the Scriptures this morning. God saved you for this purpose. This is a prayer He loves to answer. Ask God today. Go before God today and ask Him, God, give me a heart to do this. God, give me a, a pure, white, hot passion for spreading your glory I can't manufacture that, that the pastor can't produce that in me. I need you, Holy Spirit, to give me that sort of desire. Will you do it? And watch as he does. So ask God to give you a heart for spreading his glory. Second, ask yourself, that's your second ask, ask yourself, what does this look like for me to fulfill the mission of God in my day-to-day, right? So maybe, maybe this afternoon, as you have time after you get up from your Sunday nap, amen, you spend some time in the, in the chair, in the recliner, maybe at the dinner table, maybe with your spouse, notebook out, pen in hand. What does this look like for us? What does this look like for, for, for Monday morning? What does it look like for me to spread the glory of God in the places he's taking me as I'm being scattered this week? My workplace, in my home, my neighborhood. And how can we do that? Like, practically speaking, how can we do that? And, and, then, and then, how can Poplar Spring help you, equip you, enable you to do that? Is it resources? Is it training? Is it people to come alongside you and help you reach your your cul-de-sac in your neighborhood? What does it look like for us to partner to that end in your context? I'm not pretending to have the answers, but we need to be asking the question. And then third, ask someone here, right? So ask God, ask yourself, and then ask someone here how you can plug into fulfilling the mission of God in and through the local church family here at Poplar Spring. Here's what I mean by that. If you're in a Sunday school class, and you should be, Ask your Sunday school teacher one day after class, what does it look like for me to serve this community through Poplar Spring? Like what opportunities are there for me to to meet physical needs in Bunn or Franklin County so that I can spread his glory to folks that don't know about him here? If you're in growth group, ask your growth group leader, what what ways can I serve our our country or even our world through Poplar Spring? What opportunities are there to partner with folks like Baltimore, Uganda, and Malaysia? What opportunities are there in the next year for me to do that? I want to do that. Ask, Ask your growth group leader. Come to, to, to one of the elders and say, hey, I, the Lord's really put this on my heart. What would it look like to be a part of a church plant? What would it look like, not a short-term trip, but a midterm, like to, to give a quarter of my, my year, three or four months, to go and spend in a place like that? Pour myself out with my family. What would it look like for me to do that? Go and talk to one of the elders. We've, we've partnered with folks because we should be about this as a church. Poplar Springs should be about taking the glory of God to, the, to every part of our world. And so we've made some strategic partnerships with folks in Baltimore and Malaysia and Uganda because we believe they're doing that. And we want to come alongside where the Holy Spirit's already working and say, God, use us. Use us as a faith family. Use us as individuals to be about that. So ask someone. Ask one of the elders. Ask one of your deacons. Ask your Sunday school teacher or your growth group leader. And if they don't know the answer, they'll come and we'll find the answer. We'll figure out how to plug in and do this because this is what God's called us to be about. The question is, are you a part of that mission? Have you given your life to the mission of God? Let's pray together.